Welcome to Inside Situation, a bi-weekly podcast where we share with you some of the conversations we're having inside the agency with our coworkers, our clients, and our partners. I'm Peter Yijisik, Director of Technology at Situation, and I'm flying solo this time uh, without the vacationing Lauren Bailey, but uh, Lauren will be back next time, I promise. Uh, I want to start out by saying thank you so much to all of you who listened to our first podcast and told us that you liked it. We're super pumped to keep finding interesting topics to bring to the table, and we'd like to hear your suggestions. So if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss, please send us an email to podcast at situation.nyc, or you can also tweet them to us. Uh, We are at situation, and we'd love to hear from you. I also wanted to take a a minute to thank Adam Sedwick from our dev team. Adam helped us out in the edit booth uh, for our first podcast, and it wouldn't have gone out the door without him. So huge thanks to Adam. So for today's conversation, we wanted to bring a couple of voices who were front and center for a storytelling campaign we did for the opening of One World Observatory at the end of May. Uh, Joining me are Aaron Roulier, one of our account executives. Hello, Aaron. Hi, Peter. And also we have Stephanie Chandra, one of our creative strategists. Hi, Steph. Hey, Peter. Hey. So thank you guys both for for joining me for this conversation. Um, so to start off, can one or both of you describe the overview of the, the inspired campaign for One World Observatory and then talk about how you were primarily involved? Sure. So um, the overarching thing and the driver behind the inspired campaign was we wanted to find uh, we wanted to create a launch campaign for One World Observatory that felt really authentic, and we set out to find people inspired by the world around them to change the world around them for the better. And we this involved public submissions to nominate people. This involved some recruitment on our part and bringing all these people together for one event at the top of the observatory in the private event space early on in June, right after the observatory was open to the public. Yeah, and what we were really looking to do is just sort of embody that see forever mentality that when you're up at the top of this space, there's so much promise and there's so much of the future that's there and that you can feel and really people that are always looking forward and seeing the way that the world can change around them. Excellent. And how did you guys uh, reach out to, to find some of those storytellers? The, it, how did we not reach out to find the storytellers? <laughs> um, a few of them, just because as an agency, we work so much in the arts and culture space, we are naturally exposed to phenomenal storytellers, whether that's visual in photography, sketching, painting. Um, There are educators that we reached out to because that is so important and such a huge part of this whole see forever and infinite possibilities. Um, We also just did some research and people who love New York as much as we do as, you know, New Yorkers and as much as the, the people of the observatory love New York. And this is now this new permanent fixture of the city. And we wanted to make sure that people already talking about New York were part of this conversation that we're starting to curate and create. And I was actually floored by some of the public submissions that we got. People that we had never spoken to before who had obviously never been up in the space yet because it wasn't open, but felt so passionately about the city and about the world around them that they just felt compelled to tell us and share their stories. And did you guys get a lot of submissions? Yeah, I would say we got, you know, um, over a hundred submissions and it was really incredible to see also the range of people who were submitting. And what was really nice and touching to read from my perspective is that people weren't, we gave the option, you could nominate yourself or you could nominate somebody else and somebody that you know. And I was surprised at how many people actually nominated other people in their lives. So it's almost twice as rewarding to read these stories about other people versus people just talking about themselves. And it, it just added an emotional weight to it and a real sincerity that 
was so sweet to read and people nominating um, their parents and people nominating their brothers and their sisters and somebody that, you know, they know from a school board that they're on. It was just a very, it was a really nice moment of community that I wasn't expecting to see um, from the nomination pool. Did that change the idea at all? Were you expecting people to nominate themselves more? And, and when you got people that were nominating others, did that, did that change the course of, of how the campaign was executed at all? I don't know that it changed it, but it really sort of reinforced this idea of bringing these people together. And when we did get everyone up in the space, that community feeling just sort of took over. And it was a really sort of beautiful moment to experience it with all of those people who we had sort of come to know over this process and who had shared their stories with us and now got to share their stories with each other. And it was so great to see. um, Yeah, I don't think it changed anything public facing, but in terms of we got them the opportunity to reach out to people who and invite them to this event that they didn't even know somebody in their life nominated them for. And that was a really nice moment um, to have that acknowledgement. It's that surprise and delight that we always crave for, or any brand craves for any of their campaigns. We got to genuinely do that in a really authentic way. So talk a, a little bit about the, the mechanics of, of when you got the submissions and then you reached out to people, did you have to convince, uh, especially people that were nominated, did you have to do any kind of, uh, arm twisting to, to convince them to be part of the campaign or did they generally uh, find it uh, something that they wanted to do? It was, we had no arm twisting involved. There was, there was zero arm twisting. Everyone was so excited and so honored to be a part of it. Um, and I think that that was really sort of the most moving part of the campaign for me was people were just so, you know, sincerely like honored to have been asked and to be a part of it and really took it as kind of a serious responsibility, which was, you know, when you're giving out tickets and inviting people to an event and stuff, you don't always see that, but people really took it upon themselves to create these, you know, amazing or help us create this amazing content through their experience there. And I think the fact that people did take it so seriously was just really rewarding. And I think it's not even serious in a somber way. It's that anytime you put some sort of contest or event out in the world, you like if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there to hear it, does it really matter? And I, every whether it's a brand or a you know show or things like that, you worry. Like we know this is important and we feel excited about it, but are other people going to react that way? And are we going to get the submissions that we know are out there and hope are out there? And it was really great to not have to. There were no hard scheduling conflicts. There was no, oh, well, I can't come that day. Can I come this day? It was just very, I'm there, sign me up, keep me posted. Um, and it was really, it was a really nice moment. We had a bunch of families up there. So there were kids there. It was just, it was very, very, very cool. I think if anything, that was the only thing we ran into was people were like, how many people can I bring with <laughs> That's me? True. I just want to share this with everyone I know. And we were like, wait, you know, we want you to share it with people too. So that was. <laughs> That's awesome. Were there any stories in particular that you, uh, that stuck with you that you can kind of tell in brief? I, I know it won't necessarily be the same as hearing them tell those, their own story, but are there any that really particularly you found memorable? I'm trying to think. Um, I want to say that there was, I mean, there were the way the campaign was structured, we had some people that we had recruited in the upfront and we followed their journeys before they even got to the observatory and then got there um, on the flip side, then talked to them again after the event was over. Um, one of the exciting ones from those for me were there's a bakery, um, they have a location down in the village and they also have one on the Upper West Side uh, where it's run by this um, 
executive pastry chef named Olivier and he and his family, he's, they're from Paris. He was a software engineer, I believe, and decided that baking and pastries and food were his passion. And he moved here to start a bakery and listening to them, they came up, um, it was him, his wife and their two children coming up and they could kind of pinpoint their journey since they got to the city. And I think that was really great. Um, there were, there was one, um, woman who brought her sister up there and they spoke so eloquently. Like you could tell they were real authentic New Yorkers and they said they were like, this is the great, like this changes the way they think about New York. And this is, you know, people, you have to be there to see what New York really is. And it was cool to hear everybody's different stories layered on top of the city. Cause for once you can see the city in its entirety. And, and so then logistically talk a little bit about, you said everybody was excited to come to the space. You didn't really have any, scheduling conflicts, but what, how did you capture the stories uh, either before or during or after? Was it just kind of uh, turning on video and, and, you know, encouraging people to talk to one another and and share those stories? How did that actually happen? We wanted to capture stories in a lot of different ways once we got up in the space. Um, So we actually, and because everyone's different, everyone shares their emotions differently. So we wanted to have different ways for people to convey what they were feeling. Um, So we had a couple different stations up there um, that we really wanted to sort of use as drivers of conversation and to sort of spark those moments. Uh, So we did have a video station. We set up a camera. We put you know, people up in front of the skyline and asked them different, you know, prompted questions that, you know, had them speaking about their experience. We also just had an audio booth for people who might not have been comfortable on camera so they could just put headphones on and look out at the city and just sort of have that stream of consciousness about what it was doing to them at that moment. Um, And then we also had actually uh, just sort of a writing station, a postcard station that had these inspired postcards and you turn them over and the question was, what do you see? when you're up here and people drew things, they wrote things, they, and I think those actually, we knew that they would be cool, but I think that we were even more surprised by what came out of those because you never know, you know, what people, (laughs) how much time they're going to spend on things like that. And, you know, from a brand perspective, it was something that we had sort of put out there, but the way that people interacted with that station, I think was one of the most surprising things that we had. And everybody was so different, which I thought was very cool. You expect to go up there and say, you know, I see, Times Square or I see the future, but it was very interesting. Some people saw New Jersey because that's where they grew up. And some people, I don't know, it was very, I love that the people up there, um, you always strive to have a lot of diversity uh, and in personality and everything. And the stories that people were telling could not have been more different. And it's just a true testament to the fabric of New York. So I know you said that the, the campaign was, was still in process and hasn't really fully completed yet. Can you talk about kind of the future of where it might be going? I think one of the most exciting things for us is that it does seem like this campaign is going to be sort of a perennial thing that's on uh, the uh, One World Observatory site. Like this will be a continued campaign that lasts and is generates sort of this social hub around the way that people are experiencing the space and having sort of that page there where people can go and see their stories and, you know, be excited to share their own is really something that we hope will continue on in an even bigger way with partners in the future. Um, and one world observatory is excited to do that as well. So, and I think, you know, every brand now storytelling is all the rage and everybody's trying to do it. And what makes our situation a little bit unique and was so great to have the client realize this and be on board with us from the beginning with this idea is that, uh, the story isn't necessarily ours to tell. 
it is very much a story that other people feel like they have ownership, whether they're New Yorkers, whether they're just global citizens, it, people are already telling our story for us. So what we hope Inspired does in the long term allows us to not have to necessarily tell our own story because it is very much a communal story and it's a space that you experience with other people. You don't go up there. I mean, there will be people who go up there on your own, on their own, but um, from the moment you get up there, everything is in groups and you're in places where you get that awe moment of seeing the view for the first time and you're with 70 other people. And it just, the community is something that organically drives who the observatory is and what the experience is like. So I think that's why for Inspired, it's a nice, it has legs because it's grounded in that same kind of nugget of community. Well, and it sounds like you guys really concentrated on giving lots of ways for those stories to be captured and, you know, didn't, didn't try to write the script and, and kind of force words into people's mouth, but by, by giving them a palette uh, that they would be most comfortable expressing themselves in, it really, it really gives the, empowers them to feel comfortable. That's what's really nice, I think, about it specifically, is that there isn't a form you fill out. There isn't a certain question that you answer. It's really a jumping off point to start those conversations. And like Steph was saying, to really sort of build that community and encourage that interaction between people. And it's, you know, it's not a finite story and it's not something that can just be captured in one medium. It's really, it spans across all of them. And I think even bigger picture, um, we, you always struggle with like what, what hashtag do we want to use? What, um, it's always those tactical details that sometimes we struggle with. Um, we as in like an industry, not even just our agency of, you know, what hashtags are we using? How do we, what conversations do we want to start? And we, this really allowed us and what we wanted to do from the beginning is to let people tell their stories and our job was to curate it and kind of drive it in, like put the pieces together to make a narrative, not to kind of start a conversation that, um, we thought was going to be there. We let the stories happen and figured out the best way to utilize them and kind of elevate them. Well, and I think that's something that we run into when we, when we talk about campaigns like this, you know, often the, the impulse is to try to control it or, or to be worried about moderating it in some way. Did you, were you guys worried at all about, you know, stories that might've revealed themselves that weren't necessarily the happiest or or the most joyous or or the ones you wanted to necessarily associate with the brand that did those conversations come up or was there any concern about, you know, really personal stories and then how they might be perceived? That, I mean, that always comes up when you have a contest, when you have something that lives like this, you know, you're going to run into those questions when you're planning things. But I think sort of the way that we wanted this to live was that as you know, Steph was saying, we're moderating and we're capturing these stories, but we're not, you know, censoring, we're not being any sort of, you know, I think block on anyone's stories. And we really fostered and encouraged those personal moments that people had um, and tried to place everyone in the best light that we could, I think. And I think the filter of the question we talked about in the beginning about being inspired by the world around them to change the world around them for the better, that kind of... I think things that you would worry about of overcoming adversity or things that were very um, sad and not necessarily, and I think sad's the wrong word. It's, it just kind of, we never had conversations or got stories from people that were in a very gray space because that, that just wasn't the prompt and that wasn't the story we set out, the stories we set out to look for. So everybody sort of, even if it started with overcoming something, they, that, 
triumph push them to do something better and whether they're changing the world at large or their immediate world around them that was kind of the key factor and in doing that it leaves you with a more positive ring and a more hopeful ring. Steph I think you mentioned a little bit ago that you know lots of people are are, and lots of brands are are telling stories why do you think that is Why, why do you think at this moment it's such a popular idea to to use the mechanism of storytelling and, and, and uh, to, to express, you know, the, the, the ideals or the feelings or the, the core characteristics of, of a brand? I, I think there are a million different things. The, I think it just makes things more memorable. I think it something, again, it's just something that's already happening, whether it was, you know, cave paintings up until now through the tweets that we put out in the world were we are just storytellers and I think brands are realizing that and realizing that that's the way to drive content and that's the way that people relate is through the stories they tell and that's the way that they share experiences, um, the things that they love, whether it's a concert or a festival or, you know, a, a vinyl album, it's the tangible and the intangible are, are all shared through stories. So I think that's what makes it so appealing and makes it feel so real. I also think for brands specifically, it adds a kind of human heartbeat to the campaigns that we do and the products we sell and the experiences that we sell because everybody, everybody wants to feel that a little bit and feel the warm and fuzzy. And I think that storytelling helps us do that in a real way. I think, you know, just brands are also sort of identifying the fact, and we're all seeing it, that it's becoming so much more accessible for people everywhere to share and amplify their story, whether it's through social media, whether it's through these other platforms. Like, there are so many channels for you to share your story out there that brands are really seeing that and seeing how people are responding to being able to connect with other people across the world. And I think it's really interesting that people are then saying, here's our product. Like, this is how it relates to your life, and this is how, you know, it's part of your story. And I think that aspect of it is really interesting since it hasn't really been as accessible in the past when we didn't have the type of communication platforms that we do today. Well, uh, guys, thank you so much for, for taking some time to talk about the Inspired campaign. Uh, I think it was an amazing success. I hope it continues to be. Um, where can people check it out? Where can people see some of the stories um, if they're interested? If you go to uh, oneworldobservatory.com slash b-inspired, that is where it lives on the website. There's also a call out on the homepage. So oneworldobservatory.com, scroll down, you'll see it. Um, Or you can also just search hashtag uh, inspired, which is one N-S-P-I-R-E-D. And you can see all of the content that we're posting as well as kind of how it's caught on. And anybody who's been to the observatory since then has been using it. Very cool. Well, again, thank you guys so much. Uh, I really appreciate you sharing the story of Inspired, and hopefully it'll inspire our listeners. Um, So now, uh, before we sign off, uh, we want to go around the table and talk about one thing that we don't think our listeners should miss. Uh, And this is, we're going to do the summer edition, uh, since it's the middle of summer, and we're all excited about doing doing great things in the city. Um, So, Steph, do you want to start off with uh, one thing that you don't think people should miss? Sure. So one of my favorite places in the city is Governor's Island. And every year they do the um, Jazz Age Lawn Party. And right now, I think it's happening August 14th, August 15th. And there is, it's very Prohibition era themed. There's performances, there's activities. It's just a great, great weekend in the city. So if you love jazz and love being outside, it's the only place you need to be. 
Is it like an outdoor speakeasy? Um, it's very, I mean, it's, it's really music focused. There are people, the performers are dressed in costume. I mean, it's not even costumes. It feels organic. You feel like you take a time machine when you're on the ferry and you land in the prohibition era. So if you love music and just having a good time, there's swing dancing. That's where you need to be. Awesome. Aaron, what about you? What shouldn't people miss? Um, I'm actually changing up my answer from what I had originally. Um, you can actually take the water taxi down from the uh, Wall Street District over to Red Hook in Brooklyn. If you take the, it's actually free on the weekends, and it's the water taxi that goes to IKEA. But the first stop is Red Hook. Um, Red Hook is this amazing sort of little corner of Brooklyn, and when you step off the boat there, it's like you sort of have left New York. It's like this little mini vacation, and they have wine tasting on a pier, and there's an artisanal chocolate shop, and you sort of just walk through these streets. There's chocolate-dipped key lime pie where you can sit in a park and look out at the Statue of Liberty, and it's just a really amazing day for anyone who hasn't been there. That's awesome. I feel like mine should be boat-themed. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try to work a boat into it. But mine is also, uh, this is something that's right across the street from where I live, in Brooklyn, in Prospect Park, the Lefrac, the Lefrac Center, uh, which is a skating rink, which in the wintertime is an ice skating rink, but in the summer, it's a roller skating rink. And uh, it's just amazing. If you've ever, if you grew up roller skating uh, as a kid like I did, uh, it's a real throwback. They play great music on the weekends. It's a, just a big dance party. Uh, and it's, you know, I, I love being so close to the park. I think it's one of the greatest parts of living in Brooklyn. And just recently, uh, in addition to the roller skating, They've started renting out uh, Surrey's. And uh, so it's, it's just so cool on the weekends to watch families in like a four-person bicycle Surrey, you know, going around the rings of Prospect Park. It's, uh, it's definitely something not to be missed. So if you get a chance to, to go to the Lafrac Center, uh, I highly endorse it. Uh, so thanks again, everybody. This is the end of our second podcast. Uh, we appreciate our listeners. We want to thank our panel, Steph, uh, thank you, Aaron. Thanks also to Kevin, our producer, Lauren, uh, our vacationing co-host, and to Adam, our editor. Uh, don't forget to email us at podcast at situation.nyc if you have any ideas about topics that you'd like to hear us talk about. And we'll see you in two weeks. Thanks so much.